Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. my prayer that all of us have that desire to please the one and only God who is so faithful to us. We praise God for worship. Let's give God praise for worship this morning. Amen. Amen. And I believe you have labeled yourself the mighty man of PGC. Is that the right name? Oh, you did that. Okay. Just want to be sure. And to the mighty men of PGC, may God bless you and thank you for your contribution to worship. My scripture today comes from John, the fourth chapter, and my focus will be, chap- excuse me, verse number 29, come see a man, my, my, my. <laughs> who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, you are awesome. And you are worthy to be praised. Thank you, God, for another week, another day, another morning, another worship experience, oh God. Thank you that COVID has not entered our body, oh God, and that here we can stand and say, just let me be who I am and you, oh God. So, Father, we don't take you for granted. We pause right now to thank you for our families. Thank you for our health, oh God. Thank you for the ability to stand on our own, oh God. Stand, thank you for a place to come to worship you in spirit and in truth, O oh God. Thank you for knowing that others love us, O oh God. And Father, we thank you for repentance and we thank you for being a God of justice and mercy. So right now, we just say thank you, O oh God. And we pray right now for preaching power. You do the preaching, O oh God. I ask right now that you will open up this word so that your people will see you, hear you, and know what it is you want them to do. I ask all of these blessings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, and the church said, amen. That's not amen. Amen. There you go. We can do amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes we have to be reminded of how blessed we are. Amen. 
Amen, 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 amen. I'm glad that's the Holy Spirit's assignment and not mine. As I reflected on the life of Martin Luther King Jr., I was led to read the letter from the Birmingham jail that he wrote. Actually, in the letter, he says, Pastor Joseph was more than a letter, it's a real book. <laughs> he said here that uh, while confined here in Birmingham City Jail, I came across your recent statement calling our present activity and untimely. Seldom, if ever, do I pause to answer criticism of my work and ideas if I sought to answer all of these criticisms that come across my desk, my secretaries would be engaged in little else than the course of the day. And so he said, I have no time for, I have no time for constructive work, but since I feel that you are men of genuine goodwill and your criticisms are sincerely set forth, I would like to answer your statements and what I hope will be the patient and reasonable terms. Dr. King said that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And he said that we are caught up in an inescapable network of mutuality tied into a single garment of destiny. I shared this and I am sharing this because tomorrow we pause to celebrate the life and legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it's good for us to go back to see what was his real mission, what is his legacy about, and what was he saying over 50 years ago, and what are we saying right now? He said that anyone who lives inside the United States can never be considered an outsider. You deplore the demonstrations that are presently taking place in Birmingham, but I am sorry that your statement did not express a similar concern for the conditions that brought the demonstrators into being. Dr. King said that there are four components to nonviolent campaigns. The first component is a collection of facts to determine whether injustices are alive. The second step is negotiation. The third step is self-purification. And the fourth step is direct action. He said that there have been more unsolved bombings of Negro homes and churches in Birmingham than any other city in the nation. These are the hard, brutal, and unbelievable facts. And on the basis of them, Negro leaders sought to negotiate with the city fathers. But good faith negotiation, which is the second step of the process, the fathers refused to meet to negotiate. So Dr. King is saying, in other words, you didn't give us a choice. We had to come, and we had to demonstrate, and we had to be a part of this movement so that we can show you the real condition of our country. At this time, we agreed to become, begin our nonviolent witness, and this reveals that we did not move irresponsibly into direct action. Indeed, this is the purpose of direct action that nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis and establish such creative tension that a community that has consistently refused to negotiate its force to confront the issue it seeks is to dramatize the issue that it can no longer be ignored. Dr. King said Socrates felt that it was necessary to create a tension in the mind so that individuals could rise from the bondage of myths and half-truths 
to the unfeathered realm of creative analysis and objective encounters to create the kind of tension in society that will help men to rise from the dark depths of prejudice and racism to the majestic heights of understanding our brotherhood. If you really want a blessing, read his entire letter. I like the closing where he, um, let me find it here. He said here that, um, I wish you had commended the Negro demonstrators of Birmingham for their sublime courage, willingness to suffer, and their amazing discipline in the midst of the most inhuman provocation. One day, he said, the South will recognize its real heroes, amen. They will be the James Merediths, courageously and with majestic sense of purpose, facing jeering and hostile mobs and the agonizing loneliness that characterizes the life of the pioneer. They will be old, oppressed, battered Negro women symbolized in a 72-year-old woman of Montgomery, Alabama, who rose up with a sense of dignity and with her people decided not to ride the segregated buses and responded to the one who inquired about her tiredness with ungrammatical profunity. She said, and we know we're talking about Rosa Parks who sat down on the bus that day, she said, my feet is tired. She didn't say my feet are tired. She said my feet, F-E-E-T-S, are tired, but my soul is rested, hallelujah. We praise God for all the men and women who have given their lives for our freedom so that we would no longer be in bondage in our own country. So now we praise God again for the life of Rosa Parks and James Meredith and Dr. King and others who gave so much so that we might have life and liberty in these United States of America. I want to focus today on evangelism and the woman at the well. I've been trying to give this woman a name all week, but every name I thought of, there was somebody with that name in my congregation, and I didn't want them to think I was talking about them. So I decided I better not name her after all, unless I call her classy. I can't really give her a name. I read across an article about Dr. Sam Chan. Most of you know who he is. And he has written a wonderful article about evangelism and what it is. In our church, worship is our number one priority. In our church, our children and youth are our second priority. Because if we do not help our children and youth to grow spiritually, there won't be a church after we leave this earth. So we have to prepare them for the next level of ministry. And our third priority is evangelism. And every year, we fail at evangelism because we make it so complicated, and it's not. So I want to focus a little bit on evangelism and what it is, and I'm also going to purchase for our evangelism ministry this book by Sam Chan that says, Evangelism in a Skeptical World. And we are trying to evangelize in a world that's different, Henry. When you were in Mississippi, that was one type of evangelism, and I was in Alabama. But now the world is different. There are so many people influenced by technology and social media, they don't have a clue about Jesus Christ. So it's time for us to do a better job 
of evangelizing in the name of Jesus in a skeptical world. Most Christians know that they should be engaging in the work of evangelism, but few know what evangelism is. We don't know what evangelism is because we hear the word and we run and we begin to think that if I evangelize, I have to know all the books of the Bible. If I evangelize, I have to know all the old prophets. If I evangelize, I have to know everything Jesus said. We make things up so that we can step out of the role of evangelism. The word evangelism carries a lot of baggage, tradition, and emotion, and furthermore, most people have been poorly equipped with evangelism methods that are no longer effective in today's post-Christian world. Pastor Joseph, you know the times that we walk the streets of Cary playing for the neighborhoods because we can't put anything in the mailbox and we're not supposed to knock on the doors. We should have had this book then. We would have made different choices realizing that what worked 10 years ago does not work now. What worked five years ago does not work now. So what Dr. Chan is trying to get us to see that many people get frustrated because they don't understand the simplicity of evangelism. Evangelism in the English term for the act of communicating the gospel, an act that's conveyed in the New Testament by the verb evangelizo, bringing good news. Do any, any of you have any good news that you want to share? Anything good happened to you because of Jesus? Can you just give me one example of something good that has happened that will cause you to share that? I'm going to pick on Deacon Gino. Give me an example. Any good news? Yeah, come on, step it up. Any good news? I can't hear you. Any good news? Yeah, good news, good news. Um, God is able, he blessed us uh, tremendously at my household that now my daughter and I are able to go back to college together at the same time. And yeah. Amen, amen. And we, that's something we never thought would happen, but God has made it a way. So that's good news. That's good news. And why should I care about that? Because God made a way for that to happen. He Hallelujah. blessed us. Hallelujah. God blessed made. Us. All right. All right. Thank you so much. I need one more volunteer with some good news. If you don't have any good news, don't fake it now. Okay. Who has good news? Alex? Alex, I want you to get the mic, sir. Thank you, Alex. The way you pray the drums, I know you got good news. All right. Here we go. All right. All right, Alex. All right. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, most, not many of you know this, but in the midst of the pandemic, I got a job, and I got into two. And yeah, I got into two colleges. One of which I'm now attending, NC State. The other was UNC Wilmington, but I chose not to move to the into the far east coast for obvious reasons. So. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Good news. Oh, Samantha, you know I got to pick on you. Any good news in your? Come on, come on, tell us some good news. Come on. Just one, we want one example of good news. What I'm trying to get you to see is that if you have no good news, something is wrong. If you're in relationship with Jesus Christ and there is no good news, something is wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Absolutely. Uh, good news. You need me to move over? Move over? Okay. Good news. Uh, I have lots of things to be... Simone uh, got a second semester of straight A's amongst the, the pandemic. And, and God is continuing to uh, restore my, my husband's uh, uh, health. Amen, amen, amen. 
Amen, amen, amen. In the midst of a pandemic, I can make all A's. In the midst, I can focus and concentrate. It's not complicated, my sisters and brothers. When we evangelize, we tell our story. And nobody can tell your story like you. And nobody can share the good news about what God has done for you like you. Amen? Because it's your story. The woman at the well is a great example of what evangelism looks like. And she shows us in a very simple fashion of how she had an encounter with Jesus. And what does she do about that? Jesus, excuse me? Excuse me, pausing. Practicing appropriate protocol so that I won't be dismissed. Let's see. So the woman shows up. She looks like any other woman at a well at noonday. But when the woman went back, Minister Derek, to the village, to tell the brothers and sisters what happened. She was excited, but she also knew that they knew her past and they knew her whole story and she felt compelled to go and tell. So she said, look at me, I bet she did. You know my past, you know my story, you know where I've been, you know where I'm going, you know the relationships I've been in and you know the things that I have done that are not pretty. But she said, something happened to me today at the well. I went to draw well water, and there was a man there who had the nerve to ask me for a drink of water. She said, you know, I was over at Jacob's well. That's the well I'm talking about. And she said, this man was a stranger. And she said, I had a conversation with this man that was not appropriate midday, but he brought it up, so I decided to participate. The woman said that this man told me everything I've ever done. What a frightening thought. This man told me all things about my life. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you could have a conversation with Jesus and what you think you have hidden, that Jesus can show you has not been hidden because I really know where you've been. I know where you're going. I know what you did when you were there. We need to get over it and realize that God is always looking at us and watching us, and God is always coaching us on the way that God wants us to live. And then she said that this man offered me living water. I went there for well water, but this man offered me living water. She said, I've never heard of living water before, but that's what he talked about. And she said, I want you to come and see the man who told me about this living water. Hallelujah. What do you think would happen if I would just go out and uh, stand on the street corner and say, you know what, I'm not much, never been much, but I met a man who told me that I was worth going to the cross for. I met a man who said that God loved me enough to send me an escape method, and Jesus Christ is that method. I know a God who knows everything about me and has decided to talk with me anyway. You ought to give God some praise. I know a God who knows everything, so don't play this game with God. 
Realize that God already knows what you're guilty of. The Lord knows what you're thinking of right now. The Lord knows when the thoughts enter your brain that are not compatible with his will for you. The Lord knows before you ever get there, we ought to learn to give God some praise. The woman said that I left, I left my water pot behind. And the more I read this, the more I realized is that all of us have water pots. And as we enter a new year, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, what is your water pot? What is it that you need to leave behind in 2021 that kept you in the wrong place in 2020? Is it your attitude? Is it your bitterness? Is it your criticism of others? Is it your deceptiveness? Is it that you're so easily moved by things of the world? Is it that your faith is not what it should be? Is it that you're in relationships that are draining the life out of you, but you stay anyway? Is it that you want a better job, but you won't take the initiative to go out and look for one? Is it that you have people who don't love you or care about you and you keep investing in the relationship over and over again? What this woman teaches us is that when you leave the water pot behind, you can go forward with Jesus Christ. And she made a decision. And when we come into relationship with Jesus, we have to make some water pot decisions. We have to make a decision that I'm going to be all I can through Jesus Christ. We have to make a decision that I'm not cursing anymore. It didn't get me anywhere when I tried. We got to make a decision that I am not going to commit adultery even more. Even because God hasn't exposed me, I'm not doing that anymore. So what I'm saying is that this moment, woman had to make a decision in that moment. And if you had to make a decision right now, Simone, of what are you going to leave behind? What would you leave behind? I tell people all the time that if you're in a relationship that does not give God glory, you need to leave it behind. That's your water pot. If a person is driving you crazy and that you're not getting any blessings at all, you need to leave that water pot behind. So the woman left and she went into town and she said, come see a man who told me all these things. She wasn't embarrassed. She was courageous. And the disciples were there. She was in town saying, come see a man. The disciples came back, and guess what they were doing? They said, Jesus, we went to get you something to eat. We have it here. Did you eat? You're working like this. The disciples stood there grumbling under their breath because they didn't even understand why Jesus was talking to the woman. They were judgmental, and they were supposed to be disciples of Jesus Christ. So how can you judge me and love me at the same time? They were standing around, Peter, John, looking, saying, well, he looks like he's full. I don't, he looks like he's all right, but did he eat anything? And what Jesus helped them to see is that my food doesn't come from Popeye's. It doesn't come from Bojangles. My food does not come from, what is, uh, uh, the Olive Garden. And my food doesn't come from Red Lobster. Jesus was saying that I have a food that's tied to my Father's will. And Jesus said that the food that sustains me is doing God's work the way that God wants me to do it. And I want you to understand is that there's something magical about God's work. 
It's something exciting about God's work. When you're doing what God calls you to do, you're having an out-of-body experience. That's what Brett Vincent was trying to tell us uh, right at Christmas, that when you're doing this work, if you're doing it out of the depths of your soul in the name of Jesus, you find the energy to do it when nobody else seems to care. There's something about being in relationship with God that makes you want to do the right thing the right way every time. How many of us are guilty? We have show up, not excited. Can't wait till this is over. I wish you'd rush on and get this sermon done because I need to make three stops on my way home. I don't know why she got to talk about this water pot so much because if you went to Bible study, you would know what you don't know. So what I'm saying to you is that if you want to be happy, sign up and do something for Jesus. And if you're doing something that you're grumbling and moaning about, quit because God's getting no glory. And what Jesus is saying is that my nourishment comes from my connection to the Father. And Jesus said that my nourishment comes because God has given me an opportunity to do something beyond myself. And I give his name glory because he's such an awesome God. So stop being like the disciples. Yeah, they did good work every now and then, but they were still caught up in the flesh. They were still thinking about the whopper they had picked up when God wanted them to think about the water pot that the lady left behind. So we need to adjust our attitudes. Jesus said to have food to eat, you don't know what I'm talking about. Then Jesus responds by saying, my food, there are two things here, is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete the work of the Lord. When you wake up, do you have that in your mind? Who can I witness to today? Wherever I'm going, who can I look at eye to eye and say that you are a phenomenal person and Jesus loves you? Jesus really went on to give the disciples an example that they could identify with. And Jesus said there are four months that comes the harvest. And then Jesus is saying to them in the language that they understood, trusty ran, Jesus is saying that there are seasons. You plant the seed, and then there's the harvest. And Jesus said the harvest is all around. And when I read that, Henry, over and over again, I realized what Jesus was saying is that a pandemic is really a time of harvest. Because when you look at the families who have been destroyed, marriage relationships have fallen apart, children with high anxiety and fatigue because of virtual learning, bankruptcy because you have no job and no money, your home is at risk, your life is at risk. If that's not a time for harvest, I don't know what is. Because if the world of darkness we live in ever need a word of hope, that is right now. If anybody ever needs to be lifted up, the time is right now. Are you participating in the harvest? How many times have you just picked up the phone to call somebody to say, I just wanted to hear your voice? How many times do you think about sending a text message to say, don't want to think, just want you to know I love you and I care about you. What Jesus was saying is that the harvest is now and that we need to take advantage of the harvest because people are suffering and we're not there yet. 
So what we need to do is understand that there is always a harvest and we need to be prepared to witness the good news of Jesus Christ in the midst of a pandemic. And Jesus said, I want you to do two things. I want you to practice this too. Jesus said, I want to lift up your heads. I want you to look up. He said, I want you to look up. Can you practice that? I want you to look up. And Jesus said, I want to open your eyes. And what Jesus is saying is that when you look up with Holy Ghost power, God shows you what you need to see. Jesus is saying that if you look up, I say it again, with some Holy Ghost power, then God will show you what you need to do. Jesus is saying if you will look up and that you with some Holy Ghost power, the Lord can show you where the harvest is in your bedroom, in your home, in your house, in your family. Everybody saved in your family? Everybody know the Lord? Everybody in touch with what's going to happen because what Jesus is saying is that this living water leads to eternal life. But the well water is just well water that will keep you hydrated. But if you're not hydrated by the spirit of Jesus Christ, then you have no hydration at all. And what Jesus was saying is that I know what I'm talking about because I'm a witness to what God has done. I wish I had a church that really could see this because we don't understand that as long as we look down in darkness, we'll never look up at the marvelous light. As long as we look down on ourselves and we're all caught up on what we didn't do right yesterday, we will not have the capacity to look up. You see, the woman had the capacity to look up because she left the water part behind, which was her past. She was able to look forward in the name of Jesus. How long have you been telling yourself, I'm going to do better? I'm going to be a better spouse. I'm going to stop criticizing people. I'm going to stop talking about people. I'm going to start praying for people. I'm going to go deliver food to the hungry. I am going to go to find out who needs a handout, who needs to ride to the doctor, who needs a prescription. See, the harvest is within you. You just have to be ready to step up and do the work that God has called you to do. And Jesus wanted the disciples to know that the harvest is their present reality. Stop putting it off. Look for something created to do in the name of Jesus. And one of the things that the church needs to understand is that we are a water pot unless we help people to become liberated in Jesus Christ. And we help them to become whatever it is that God wants them to be. So it's time for us to step up our game. And it's time for us to invite sinners we know into the presence of the Lord, letting them know that I am no better than you. But the God who saved me is the God who will save you. The God who lifted me up is the same God who will lift you up. The God who cleaned me up, turned me around, and planted my feet on solid ground is the same God. Don't make it complicated. Just tell the truth about your own stuff. Tell the truth about what you used to be and then show up and be what God has called you to be and then the harvest will be plentiful. It's time for us to accept the challenge and it's time for us to witness in the name of Jesus. The woman did three things. The woman said, I want you to come. I want you to see. 
And then she said, I want to give you my testimony. You know what I've been doing. Everybody in town knows that I've had all these husbands. Everybody knows that I'm living with a man I shouldn't be living with right now. But when Jesus talked with the woman, Trustee Rand, he didn't start talking about Bubba she was living with. Jesus transitioned to the living water. So if you're going to witness, don't remind people of how sinful they are and where they are and they're never going anywhere. Your job is to lift them up wherever they are and to help them get to the place that Jesus wants them to be. And you see, that's our job as the church. We, we should clean people up and we can use ourselves as an example. You always been prim and proper. You always been so holy that 103.9 is on all the time. You never listened to the blues. You never had a beer. You never stole something from anyone that wasn't yours. You never had a supervisor you didn't talk about behind their back. You never had some stories that you made up to make you look good and the other person look bad. Have you been faithful over everything God has given you? Or are you coveting what God has given you because you don't care about the kingdom of God? The woman was an evangelist. She was liberated through love. So church, the question I ask you today, can anyone be liberated through your testimony? Can anyone be liberated through your lifestyle? Can anyone be liberated by looking at you and realizing the power of God? Jesus wanted this woman to know, and he gave her the perfect example of what it looks like. And I believe that the woman had an open house. I believe she probably told Bubba he had to move out. And I believe she said, I'm not doing that anymore. Because if I've already had five husbands and another man is here, then undoubtedly there is no satisfaction that's coming. But I believe that when she left Jacob's well and she was running through the city, she was saying, come and see. You ever had a come and see moment? You have a come and see moment when you have to get somebody to come and see what God has done for you. That's when you know you have a Holy Ghost moment. So church, I want you to lift up your heads. Open your eyes. Don't worry about my eyes. Open your eyes and be bold enough to tell God how thankful you are. Can we just do that for 30 seconds? Say, just, I'm just thankful, God. I, I just love you, Lord. I, I praise your name for saving me, oh God. I thank you for cleansing me of my past sins. I thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. I thank you that I can love people who don't love me. I thank you, God, that you've given me spiritual food from heaven. I thank you, God, for every wonderful thing that you have done. And the word of God says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. The word says, read it for yourself, that many people believed because of the woman's testimony. Who believes as a result of your testimony? She said, he told me everything I did and I know what you've done. So if she, he can clean me up, he can clean you up. And when the Samaritans came to him, Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, this is your harvest. 
These Samaritans are coming because they want what the woman has already received. They want some of this living water. And Jesus was saying to the disciples, I got to get back to Galilee. I got to get back to Jerusalem. But the harvest is here and the time is right for you to bear witness. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We no longer believe it just because you said it, Pastor. We no longer believe just because you preached it. We believe because we have seen it for ourselves. And when you see it for yourself, when I was on my deathbed and, and I knew that I couldn't get up in my own physical strength and the Lord rose me up, you don't have to give me a testimony. I can tell you that when I could not help myself, that God sent me an angel of mercy to lift me up and to get me where I wanted to go. But they, what they said to the woman, yes, thank you for, for telling us, but it's one thing to believe and it's another thing when you see for yourself. It's another thing when you can shake off the dust and know that God has cleaned you up. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man, Jesus, really is the Messiah. We know that this man, Jesus, is really the Christ. We know that this man, Jesus, is the one that God has sent. Why don't you come and see a man who has shared with me everything I've done. As I was preparing this sermon, I had to go back and pray over my own sinful life. I had to ask myself, have I apologized for everything that I've done wrong, Lord? Have I apologized for overlooking someone? Have I apologized that someone might be offended and I don't know why, oh God? Every now and then, because you have heard for yourself, it all will bring transformation in your life. Because the Lord wants us to come and see the salvation of the Lord as the men come. I want to ask you, when is the last time you extended an invitation for someone to come and see? Don't say, come and hear me sing or come and hear me preach. Come and see a man that told me everything that I have done. And he offered me living water, which sustains us forever and ever and ever. If you are listening and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we pray right now that you will say the sinner's prayers, that you will ask the Lord to just come into your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. So right now we offer you Jesus. Because Jesus wants to do for you what Jesus did for the woman at the well. Jesus wants you to leave your water pot behind so that you can tell others about the Savior that God has sent. Bless us. Thank you.
thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.